Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of K-Axis Wrestling Network. Today, we will be discussing WWE's Backlash 2018, which took place on May the 6th, 2018 from New Jersey. Okay, so the show started off with uh, the storylines, pretty much, you know, the little storylines that they had built up to, you know, all of the matches. You know, they ran a nice little sequence of, uh, you know, video content. A video package is what it's called in the wrestling business. Um, you know, and that was pretty much the, uh, the start of the show. And then we had our first match, which consisted of Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins versus The Miz for the Intercontinental Championship. All right, so... Um, that was pretty much the best match of the show. Like, that match definitely stole the show. Um, Seth Rollins coming in as the face, you know, Intercontinental Champion. Miz coming in as the heel challenger. Um, you know, I thought that match was incredible. I thought uh, Seth Rollins, he was definitely the standout performer. But, you know, Miz definitely had his moments as well. You know what I'm saying? It's like another situation where, um, you know, Miz stepped his game up. Because, you know, on average, you know, uh, Miz, you know, he's about, he's pretty much about, you know, the average type of wrestler. But, you know, at the same time, like if he gets in there with somebody who's like on his level or above, he will definitely go out of his way to step his game up, you know, to make the match look good, you know, and that's one thing I can definitely give Miz credit for on top of his mic skills. He has really good mic skills, and that's just undeniable. Like, he can literally, he can go, you know, with the best of them, you know, on the microphone. You know, even like John Cena, he can go to war with John Cena on the microphone because he's done it before, and he's done very well. You know, so with that being said, um, it was a very good match, without a shadow of a doubt. And I do feel like the right man won. Um, it was, you know, Seth Rollins went over with the curb stomp after, you know, reversing the uh, roll-up pin from The Miz. And, you know, he got himself a three count and a pretty good crowd pop, a pretty strong crowd pop for Seth Rollins. So it's good to see Seth Rollins, you know, getting that respect back, you know, after he had been injured and came back and just, you know, been through a lot, you know, with the failed Shield reunion and everything like that. And, you know, Dean getting injured and, you know, you know, it's been pretty rough for Seth, you know, since he came back from his injury. But, you know, now he's starting to come back up again and it's looking really good for him. And it's nice to see him with the Intercontinental title because, you know, prior to uh, WrestleMania, you know, Seth Rollins had never held the Intercontinental title before. So now he's pretty much a Grand Slam champion because he's held the uh, tag team titles. He's held the U.S. title. He's held the WWE title. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Universal title, like nobody's going to be holding that for a while because they got Lesnar just hogging it forever. He's had it for over a year now. And, you know... Um, they're basically just saying that, you know, they're trying to make him the longest reigning champion of this era, you know, um, because it was originally CM Punk, but of course he left. And you know how WWE does, like when somebody sets a title record, you know, they got to have, and you know, somebody sets a title record and they leave the company, you know, it's like they got to have somebody else replace that record somehow, even though there's a lot of debate about it, because at the same time, it's not going to really erase CM Punk's record. It's not even going to surpass CM Punk's record because we're talking about an entirely different belt. You know, like the Universal title and the WWE title, they have totally different lineages to them. You know, totally different histories behind them. So you can't really say that it's linked or it's the same thing or even similar for that matter because the, honestly, the Universal title hasn't even been around for two years yet. And there's only, there's only four names on that belt, you know, because 
you know, it, they originally they they introduced it around what was it 2016? Like it, it was either it was like just before SummerSlam, and then, you know, and that was the match that uh, it was Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor, and that was the match that Balor got got injured in. He won the match, but you know, and became the the very first Universal Champion. That's what they always like to say as well. Um, he became the very first Universal Champion, but then he had to relinquish the belt the next night on Raw due to his injury. Um, it was like a was it like a rotator cuff injury, I believe, when um, Seth Rollins had buckle bombed him onto the um, barricade, and like Rollins, he just kind of like lifted his arm up for some reason, I guess, to try to try to catch himself. But you know, uh, he really shouldn't have done that. I mean, at the same time, I get it. You know, you protect yourself. I mean, you know, but once Rollins released him, it's like you know he was pretty much on his own. So, you know, he had to protect himself. He had to try to protect himself. And, you know, and in doing so, he injured himself. You know, at least that's the way I see it. That's from my perspective. But a lot of other people will strongly disagree and just swear up and down that it's Seth Rollins' fault. You know, like Bret Hart, he was one of those guys, you know, to just blame Seth Rollins for everything. You know, but I don't see it that way because, you know, the footage makes it very clear. You know, it's on video. You know, I ran it many times. I looked at it many times. And I just did not see where Seth Rollins made any error. You know, but anyway, moving above and beyond that, um, yes, it was the best match of the night without a shadow of a doubt, at least in my opinion. Um, Seth Rollins won, yeah, he won with that curb stomp after reversing Miz on the roll up pin, and he got a good crowd pop for the victory. All right, so then we had match two, which consisted of um, Nia Jax, who is the current Raw Women's Champion, facing off against Alexa Bliss. Nia Jax being the face champion, Alexa Bliss being the heel challenger. And pretty much Alexa had dominated that match early on. And then, um, you know, Nia Jax had, you know, came back a little towards the middle, towards the end somewhat, something like that. And uh, the way that this match ended, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Nia Jax, she had pretty much reversed, um, you know, Alexa's finish, the Twisted Bliss. But for some reason, uh, some reason Alexa Bliss had decided to attempt the Twisted Bliss while Nia Jax wasn't on the mat. And, you know, and that's where Nia caught her and just, you know, reversed her into a Samoan drop. And then, you know, Nia Jax got her three count. And um, after that, she had uh, made an anti-bullying speech. And this is becoming a big thing in WWE again, the whole anti-bullying campaign, because Alexa Bliss is pretty much doing the same thing when she cuts a promo or, you know, she does a video segment. She's talking about anti-bullying, you know, issues and whatnot. Um what, what do I think about this? Um, the anti-bullying campaign, it's a public relations thing pretty much, and that's fine and dandy because WWE does that quite a bit. Um, honestly, like, I'm from the 80s, and we dealt with bullying in a different way. Like, we didn't make, like, public speeches about it. You know what I'm saying? We didn't make public service announcements. We didn't have all these commercials and, you know, shows and movies and stuff about it. I mean, we had, we had movies about bullying and stuff like that, you know, like Lucas and what have you. Um which was very good, by the way. Highly recommend it for anybody who's interested in the 80s who, who have never seen that movie before. But that's a movie about bullying. and um, But pretty much the way we dealt with bullying, we just, like, we dealt with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you tolerated it. You did what you had to do. I mean, like, for me, you know, I was bullied a lot, of course. Um, you know, just to the extreme, honestly. And, you know, it, it really didn't take a major toll on me. I think, I think to an extent it did. You know, it always, it always does kind of leave a lasting impression, but at the same time, you know, the way I dealt with it, you know, I just, like, 
you know, went home, got off the school bus and, you know, maybe did some homework or whatever and started watching cartoons, you know, and just went on with my life. You know, I didn't let it just I didn't let it control me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the difference, you know. But anyway, not to get too far off into that subject. All right. So uh, another thing I'd like to mention is when uh, Nia Jax was making her anti-bullying speech, I had noticed like a fan in the crowd was holding up a sign of like like a poster board of, with uh, Sienna's face in it, Sienna from TNA, and who's uh, you know also known as Allison K on the independent scene. Yeah, somebody was just holding up a poster board with her face on, and I thought that was pretty cool, you know. So that's why I mentioned it. Um, it's definitely not something that you would see every day in WWE. But anyway, moving along here, match number three, we had Jeff Hardy versus Randy Orton. You know, Jeff Hardy as the U.S. champion, defending his belt against Randy Orton the challenger and in that match um nobody was really a heel in that match like those two are literally like faces right now and you know when it gets to that point it's like it's okay to do that but you know like classic wrestling rule you know pretty much face versus heel that's usually the best way to go about doing a match because it's it's kind of easier to build a storyline you know between a face and a heel than it is in a, with a face and a face or a heel and a heel you know what I'm saying? And um, anyway, like I thought the match was kind of boring, but um, it's it's pretty much what I expected from a Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton match. You know, I didn't expect it to be five star. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not saying it was awful either. It wasn't the worst match I've ever seen. It was it was actually OK. It was pretty good. But, you know, it definitely wasn't a standout match as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then let's see. Uh, Hardy, he won the match you know, with a twist of fate and a swanton bomb, which honestly kind of surprised me because, like, Randy Orton did not kick out, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Jeff Hardy pulled off one finish and got a three count, and that's very unusual because Randy Orton, like, he's the type of WWE wrestler who would kick out of, like, three, four, five finishes sometimes, like, you know, like Randy, uh, not Randy Orton, but uh, John Cena or, like, AJ Styles or somebody, like, you know, but he didn't, he didn't kick out, you know, he he, you know, he, he ate that three count after the twist of fate and the swanton bomb, you know. But anyway, uh, then we had a segment. Um, and th and this, this segment was pretty long. It was really gimmicky. It was really something that felt like, you know, that you would see on like Raw or SmackDown. It's not something that you would really expect to see at like a pay-per-view. But this is what it was. It started off with Elias, you know, coming out, to, you know, to make his, you know, do his little performance and whatnot. And, um... You know, then he, he came out, you know, talking about being um, friends with Bruce Springsteen and how Bruce Springsteen calls him, um, what did he say? He called him uh, the boss or something like that. Um, something along those lines. Uh, and then he was interrupted by the New Day. New Day comes out with, like, drums and cymbals and all that stuff, you know, like they're a band or something like that. And then um, I guess they were pretty much seeing that they didn't want to play with Elias as far as, like, music. Um, but they, I don't know, it, it just got kind of odd, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know who came up with this idea, but it was just a little odd. And, you know, it, it got to a point where, where Elias just pretty much tried to, you know, buzz them off, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, continue on with his performance and, you know, had JoJo, re, you know, do the introduction again and had the lights shut down and all that good stuff. And then he was interrupted once again. He was interrupted by Aiden English and Rusev. And then they did their whole little, you know, Rusev Day thing and, you know, got the fans going off of that. And and then we had uh, Elias, you know, trying to start over again. 
And this time he was interrupted by No Way Jose and his group of dancers, aka the uh, conga line. And the whole conga line, um, that line also consisted of Tyler Breeze and Fandango and Titus Worldwide, which consists of Titus O'Neill and Apollo Cruz, who had also came out dancing with um, No Way Jose and his crew. Um, you know, and then Elias, you know, he's visibly upset, you know, and then he's, you know, basically trying to start his performance over again. And, um, and this time he says, like, you know, nobody's going to interrupt him again. You know, he was just determined, you know, to get his performance completed. But this time he tries to restart and he's interrupted by Bobby Roode's theme mu- uh, theme song, you know, the whole glorious, like, like once that hit, like Bobby Roode just came out of nowhere pretty much. And he was just all of a sudden, all of a sudden he was behind Elias, you know, and then, you know, he hit that glorious DDT on him. And then, you know, uh, he does the whole little glorious taunt thing that he does. Um, you know, and got the crowd behind him on it, where everybody just says, glorious. But, uh, you know, he interacted with the crowd, and that's always a good thing. So, um, anyway, uh, he pretty much danced to the back with everybody else after that point, and then, you know, you know, everybody, pretty much everybody who was out there who interrupted Elias, and then, you know, everybody that I just mentioned, you know, they all went to the back dancing and all this and that. You know, like I said, it was really gimmicky, really not expected for a pay-per-view, but hey, can't complain too much. Um, and then let's move along to match four where we had Daniel Bryan versus Cass or Big Cass as some people call him. Of course, Daniel Bryan going into the match as the face, Big Cass going into the match as the heel. Um, of course, Cass dominates the match early on and you know, it eventually got to a point where, um, honestly, what, what did I think about the match? I thought it was, it was okay. You know, it wasn't like a, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I can't rate that a five-star match either, honestly. Like, um, I thought it was okay at, at best. You know, um, it's really interesting how Daniel Bryan, uh, did in that match, uh, but Cass dominated early on, and then, uh, Bryan, you know, Daniel Bryan eventually pulled out the win, you know, with the yes lock, you know, and, um, yeah, he, he applied the yes lock and cast pretty much tapped out rather easily, in fact, you know. Um, it was like, wow, you know, I didn't think, I thought they would have made it more of a challenge for Daniel Bryan to defeat, you know, the seven-foot big cast, you know, but it didn't happen to be that way. So, um, oh, yeah, and this is another thing I like to mention. Like, after Cass had, like, tapped out and Daniel Bryan, you know, got the victory, you know, it's like, the crowd had uh, revived the "You Tapped Out" chant, and like, like I said in the previous podcast, like that was originated from Survivor Series 2003 when Chris Benoit tapped out Brock Lesnar to the Crippler Crossface. Um, just want to throw that out there, A little fun fact for you. Anyway, um, Daniel Bryan, you know, then he pretty much uh, gets clobbered by Big Cass. You know what I'm saying? After this, after the match, you know, like Big Cass just beats the crap out of him. I mean, it's just insane at that point. But, um, you know, and then Big Cass, you know, just walks to the back holding up his fist like he always does. All right, and then we went on to match number five, which consisted of Carmella versus Charlotte. Um, this was honestly one of the standout matches as well because Carmella, uh, she showcased big time in that match. She dominated a lot. Um, she did a lot of things. Like, she, like, humiliated Charlotte. You know, she just went off on her in that match, you know, and she was just really really exhibiting a strong heel role in that match like i was i was impressed by that i thought it was great you know even though you know i know she's annoying her voice is annoying all that but that's the whole point you know 
she's meant to be annoying she's supposed to be annoying she's supposed to be hated by the crowd and she's doing pretty well at making that happen so i gotta give her props for that you know and honestly out of, out of the three um because she had came in with enzo and Cass originally back in nxt but at this point in time i gotta say she's the most successful she's the most talented at this point you know I mean, Enzo had his moments, you know, when he was there, but then he got caught up in that controversy, like, earlier this year with that whole uh, rape charge thing that he's dealing with at the moment. And then on top of that, it's like Enzo, he had already previously had, like, a lot of heat on him backstage because they, you know, he was they said he was really, really obnoxious, you know, like, he was really aggravating, he was upsetting a lot of people, you know, uh, like, pretty much the same thing that they were saying about Austin Aries, like, he was just not an easy person to get along with, you know, um... I don't know how true that may or may not be, but that's what they say. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, as people say. Anyway, um, yeah, it was a pretty good match all in all. You know, Carmella, um, she won the match after, like, Charlotte had missed, like, a moonsault. You know, and then, you know, Charlotte coming down, when she hit the mat, when her feet hit the mat, she just, you know, started favoring her left foot. Um, or, her, or her left knee. She was favoring her left knee after that moonsault. And then, like, pretty much, like, it was weird. I mean, like, the match was good up until this point, you know, because it was just really strange because, like, Carmella had kicked Charlotte, you know what I'm saying, in the back of the knee, which I've mentioned in a previous episode is referred to as the popliteal space, or, you know what I'm saying, that's what is, you know, for the people who's familiar with kinesiology and human physiology and what have you, um, yeah, it's the popliteal space. So she kicked her in, in, behind the knee, in the back of her knee area, and... Charlotte goes down to the mat, and then, you know, Carmella pretty much got a three count right there, you know, and that's, I don't, I don't know, I just saw it as a weird way to end the match, it was a weird way to pull off a three count, like, I didn't really agree with that finish, you know, like, I really thought that they could have had a better way for Carmella to win, like, why didn't Carmella do, like, a submission hold, you know what I'm saying, at that point, you know, while she had Charlotte down, she should have applied her submission hold, like, what's that move called, um, the Code of Silence, I think her finish is called? She should have done that move on Charlotte, I think, when she, after she had kicked her in the back of the knee. Like, when she had her on the mat, she should have applied that submission, and then Charlotte should have tapped. You know, that, that would have been a better, uh, a better way to wrap the match up, you know, at least in my opinion. I mean, you guys tell me what you think, because, you know, I, I really feel like that match could have ended in a better way. And speaking of matches that could have ended in a better way, let's move on to match number six, because I got a lot to say about this one. Uh, match six... This was AJ Styles versus Nakamura for the third time this year, okay? So this is nothing new. We're not seeing anything new here as far as, like, you know, the one-on-one -on -one goes. And, of course, you know, AJ Styles, WWE champion, coming into the match to defend his title against the heel Nakamura, you know? And, of course, I'm rooting for AJ Styles because I see a lot more potential in AJ Styles. You know, I mean, who wouldn't? Um, AJ Styles, once again, carried the match. Um, not a surprise there. And really, all I have to say about this match is that the way that it ended was ridiculous. Like, the match ended with both of them kicking each other in the groin at the exact same time, and they both fell down to the mat and, you know, just laid there until they got counted out, you know, until the match resulted in a double countout. So once again, we have a silly finish to the match, you know, and... It was really, really disappointing, and I really feel like that match should not take place again. You know what I'm saying? I don't see any reason for this match to take place again. You know, this is Nakamura's third title shot, third WWE title shot. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, if he can't do it after this, you know, at this point, then they need to move along. You know what I'm saying? Move him along, you know, push him down in the cards. You had your turn. Move to the back of the line. It's somebody else's turn, you know, to get a shot at the WWE title. You know, this is, this is getting really old. You know, like, I don't know who's going to agree with what I'm saying here, but, uh, you know, hopefully a lot of people do because, you know, I, I just I found that to be really disappointing. You know, I mean, because originally I had predicted that they were going to put the belt on Nakamura. This is what I said last time. I said that I said that they were going to put the belt on Nakamura due to Samoa Joe, you know, costing AJ Styles the match. But I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Um, I will admit that because that's what a real man does. But anyway, um, it was just it was ridiculous. And the match does not need to happen again, point blank, period. So let's move along. Match number seven. We had Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And Owens and Zayn, um, you know, they, they started having problems problems during that match, you know, you know, like not getting along and whatnot. Um, you know, then it got to a point where uh, Sami Zayn had slapped Kevin Owens and... Um, you know, Zayn pretty much got out of the ring, and Owens had left the ring. Or no, 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 Owens didn't leave the ring. Owens was in the ring. He was in the ring by himself. Braun Strowman uh, splashed him in the corner. You know, then Lashley followed up on Owens, you know, with a spine buster. And then he did his stalling suplex and got a three count. Which is really odd because I've never seen Lashley get a three count off of that stalling suplex. That was just kind of odd as well. You know, um, like, so so pretty much, I see this as, like, the third match of that pay-per-view. They just had, like, a kind of an odd ending. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, maybe you'll disagree, maybe you'll agree. But that's the, that's the way I've seen it. So I want to know what you guys think, so don't hesitate to speak your mind. But anyway, you know, just, just keep it rational, keep it logical. That's all I ask. Anyway, um, and then Zane, uh, he left Owens in the ring, pretty much, um... You know, he, he left Owens in the ring by himself to, um, you know, take pretty much take more punishment, you know, from Lashley and Strowman, you know, and Zane just pretty much cowered around the ring, you know, like he didn't know what to do. And uh, that's pretty much the end of that story. So then we had match number eight, which was the main event, consisted of Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns. Of course, Samoa Joe comes in as the heel. Roman Reigns comes in as the face. And in this incident, we have um, Samoa Joe is being cheered by the crowd, and he's the heel. Samo and uh, Roman Reigns being booed by the crowd, and he's the face. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's pretty wild, isn't it? You know, when you really, really think about, you know, how wrestling would go, or used to go. But anyway, uh, Samoa Joe, like, he dominated you know, he dominated at least 90 to 95% of that match. Like, Roman Reigns barely got anything off. Like, like early on in the match, like, he just, like, he put Roman Reigns through a table. And then he, like, tossed him through two more tables after that. You know, and then the, you know, then the uh, Joe's Gonna Kill You chant came back. You know, and it's good to hear that one because that's usually the case. Like, Samoa Joe doesn't play around, you know. But anyway, and then at some point in the match, you know, the crowd, I feel like they got kind of disrespectful at some point because they just started cheering CM Punk. Like, that's what it sounded like. Or maybe maybe I heard something wrong, or maybe that's what they were saying. But, you know, if I'm wrong, correct me. I mean, let me know in the comment section, you know, just let me know. Because it sounded like they were, you know, it sounded like they started a CM Punk chant. Like, why would you just start 
a CM Punk chant in the middle of a Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns match. And these and the event was nowhere near Chicago, by the way. It was in New Jersey, of all places. And they're just cheering CM Punk just out of nowhere at random. It's like, you know, what, what's going on here? What's, what's wrong with you people? You know, but anyway, Roman Reigns won with a spear. Um, and it's, you know, and, and after that point, after Roman Reigns had won the match, like a whole lot of fans started walking out of the event. You know, and you, you could see it. You know, Kevin Dunn, he's, he's the camera crew guy for WWE, and he's been with the company for over 40 years. Um, but anyway, the camera positions just started changing. You know, it's, it's like they just took the camera off the people because, they you know, a lot of people started leaving. And, and I guess, the, you know, they didn't want people to see that, but it was like too late. You know, it was too late for damage control because, you know, a lot of people seen it and a lot of people are talking about it online. You know, so it's well known. It's something you can't hide. I mean, people were really, really disappointed with that match. You know, with the result of that match, because you know Samoa Joe just dominated the whole match, and you know just to just to lose. You know, I mean, I wanted Samoa Joe to win as well, but you know, I wasn't that upset about it. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I'm not completely against Roman Reigns. You know what I'm saying? I mean, does the guy need work? Does he need to improve? Of course. Of course he does. But a lot can be said about a lot of other wrestlers that the fans usually cheer for. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. Um, I think we got in everything we needed to for this episode. Um, we talked about Backlash 2018, which took place on May 6th, 2018, from New Jersey. All right, so we got that taken care of, ladies and gentlemen. And we're about to wrap this one up. But before we do... Um, I just want to let you guys know, I mean, you can go to the website, which is kaxiswrestlingnetwork.com. The site is up and ready to run. It's still not perfected yet. There's still work to be done because, remember, this is still a new podcast. And, um, you know, just visit the site. If you feel the need, click the donate button when you scroll down. You know, um, subscribe to my social media. You know, uh, follow, comment, rate, subscribe. I'm on many different platforms. I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on YouTube, you know, I'm everywhere, you know what I'm saying, this is everywhere, you know what I'm saying, like, we're trying to make this show grow, we're trying to make this big, you know what I'm saying, we, we, we need your support, so whatever you can do to support the show, please do it, and I'm not always asking for money, that's, you know, it's not always about money, so donate to the show, um, sign up for your chance to win a $25 Visa gift card as well. You know, that's another perk that we're offering for you. So, um, yeah, subscribe to the social media, media, follow, comment, rate, subscribe, like, anything. Anything you can do to support the show. All right, guys, that's about it. So, you guys have a good one. Stay safe. Don't get in any trouble. And I'll be back. And I am your host, K-Axis, signing off for K-Axis Wrestling Network. You guys have a good one.